Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Anonymous Andrew back with you with another episode. Today I have something a little different for you. Today we have a guest, his name is Tyler Foley. And Tyler is uh, a master of many things. He is an actor, um, a motivational speaker, um, and a coach in uh, public speaking. He, he coaches people on uh, how to become a public speaker. And I found this interesting because it uh, podcasting is public speaking. You know, whether you have an audience in front of you, like at a venue or behind a microphone, either way, you're speaking to the public. So I just wanted to share this episode with you, uh, my interview with Tyler Foley. Enjoy, and we'll talk on the other side. Hello, everybody. Anonymous Andrew back with you with another episode today. Uh, today, I have Tyler Foley, and he is a best-selling author of a book entitled The Power to Speak Naked. Um, hello, Tyler. Good evening. Hello. Hello, Andrew. And yes, good evening. Good night. Good morning to wherever <laughs> you happen to be in the world listening to us. Okay, so Tyler, I, I, I know a little bit about your background, but why don't you tell us about yourself while you're here? Um, and or and I guess leading up to how you what how you wrote this book or why you came to write this book. Sure. So uh I am a former child actor, a a father, a husband, a son a seeker of warm beaches, a lover of fine chocolate, number one best-selling author of The Power to Speak Naked. And I, I got to writing that book very circuitously. I've had a very interesting and varied life. When you start acting at six years old, you grow up quick. Um, I am not like most uh, child actors that you hear about in the news. I am like the majority of us out there that are working child actors who don't make tabloid headlines. Mm. And uh, it's it's a very rare percentage that are going off the rails and get the press coverage. You know, hearing that a child grew up normally in the arts is, does not sell a lot of press. No. So uh, I grew up uh, very, very simply middle-class uh, family in the middle of Alberta, um, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So most people know us because we are the home to the Calgary Flames. If you follow the NHL and the 1988 Winter Olympics, and I grew up just south of it on a on a in a small rural community, and uh, growing up in the arts, I was always in the public spotlight, and I was on stage, and loved, loved, loved speaking. 
and through various iterations of of my life and various vocational choices i've i've had a thousand different jobs it feels like i i've done everything from piano tuning to uh i was a tour guide in mexico i worked for a couple of national airlines i ran my own business doing aerial surveys um i've been a safety consultant and now i train people to public speak and that's how the book came to be wow well it so happens that i i found my my niche behind the microphone i started off in college as a a, a dj and i did some voiceover work myself um uh, but due to I, I didn't mention this before but due to alcohol and drugs i i maybe was that child actor who went off the rails because <laughs> I derailed my career. And uh, now I'm in IT. I'm in IT. Uh, but this is where I, I find my most being comfortable is behind the microphone. I too like to speak, but um, okay. So, um, so what is, so the, what is the book? What's the concept of the book or the, the main, well, the book actually came to be from a training course that I put together. So uh, again, one of the many hats that I have worn and actually still wear is a safety consultant. And uh, I do a kind of the, there's three parts to the business, three divisions. We have uh, program development. So somebody or a company who wants to develop a safety program recognizes the need to keep their workers safe and wants to formalize that into a set of procedures will come to us and we'll develop and, and work with them to help create a program uh, for safety. The other, another third of the business is then auditing already established safety programs to determine uh, if people are doing the thing that they said they were going to do. So if you said you were going to do uh, an inspection every month, at the end of the year, I should be able to see 12 inspections and we grade and, and score companies based on their adherence to their own policies. And then the other third was uh, was training and developing programs to help instill safety. And those were typical safety programs like uh, you know your fall protection and your elevated work platforms and your confined space and your first aid and, and things like that where we would train. But I had this one program called Basic Instructional Technique. And really what it was, was public speaking 101. But if you tell people that they're going to go take a class in public speaking, most people don't show up yeah. because they're all yeah. terrified to speak yeah. in public. So we called it basic instructional technique, and it was designed for uh, supervisors and middle management who had kind of been pushed into a supervisory role, but didn't have the soft skills to really do that role effectively. And primarily one of those things is public speaking, to be able to lead a team and and do a kickoff meeting or do a toolbox or a tailgate meeting, or just even speak to a, a conference board or, or run training sessions themselves. So we call it a basic instructional technique. And then as I started to do more keynote speaking and really make speaking my job and the safety consulting moved, uh, became a side gig to my, my primetime job of doing this public speaking thing for a living, uh, my agent said that I needed to have a book. And so we took a, a lot of what I had developed in basic instructional technique. Uh, in fact, we actually took video recordings of my training sessions, grabbed the audio from them, transcribed the audio, and then that became the 10 chapters of the book, which it was uh, both 
great and horrible at the same time because the book is definitely written in my voice. <laughs> but there are times where I, I have been reading chapters and I cringe and I go, oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> I, I've done that with this podcast. I listen to every episode that I've recorded and, uh, you know, but part of part of me being vulnerable on this podcast is just I don't edit myself, so I leave it alone. Um, I, you know, as you were speaking, I forgot that I did a job many years ago. Um, I was a capital campaign fundraiser. I was trained, and we would go to some of the the archdiocese around the country. So let's say you were St. Mary's Church or diocese, I don't know, somewhere in New Jersey, and you needed to raise $50 million for a project. They would hire us, and we would go in, and all the parishioners or the, the people who were part of the diocese, we would pitch to them why we needed them to make a million, write a million-dollar check to the church. you know. Mm -hmm. And I found myself talking to these people night after night after night, trying to get them to write big checks. Um, I, I actually enjoy doing that. Um, I, I'm very comfortable in front of, besides the microphone, in front of a crowd. And of course, when I go to my AA meetings, I, I'm, I'm speaking in front of an audience too. But that's not everybody, right? Not everybody's comfortable doing that. So what would you say is, so, so, so people would come to you to learn how to, be a public speaker is that yeah so we have we have a couple of different training courses but that is definitely the one that has become the bread and butter is uh the power to speak naked and the drop the mic training series where if you feel you know that yearning to get your story get your message share your expertise with the world uh, but don't know where to start we have a, an excellent program that walks people through mastering your nerves, mastering your messaging, discovering your story, learning how to tell it in a compelling and captivating way, using my experience from almost four decades of performing and being able to engage audiences, showing people how to effectively make that messaging come across and stick and, and have people leaning in and wanting to hear more. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Captive. Keeping your audience captive is uh, key. Once uh, I. Eye contact, I know, is one. And, and if you start seeing people nodding off or, or, or especially these days, checking their phones, you know, you're losing your audience. So. Mm -hmm. um, OK, so. Um, what would. So I, what would be some of the first things that we would tackle? Um, so, so I come well, to you. Yeah. So typically, um, you know, depending on how we're working together. So if you're coming to one of our large training sessions, um, it's a little bit different than if you're working one-on-one -on -one with me. One-on-one, -on -one, I tend to do a gap analysis first. Like, where are you at? Because people are coming to me at different stages with different skill sets and I don't believe in a, uh, you know, one size fits all approach to right. to speaking because we all come with 
different tools in our toolbox. And so we need to assess where you're at, what you have, what you may be missing, and then look at how we augment that. It's a little bit different when we do the large group training sessions. So, you know, we, I run a series of two and a half day workshops and, and five day seminars where we get to work very intimately with larger crowds. So the two and a half day uh, course is uh, limited to 200 people. So we cap it at 200 so that everybody has an opportunity to work. And then when we do the five day um, training, that's, that's no more than 80 people so that you really get a lot of one-on-one with me. And regardless of where we are, whether that's a one-on-one or if it's the two and a half day, or if it's the five day seminar, or even if you're doing one of some of my online training, one of the first things I I have you do is an exercise to discover your stories. Because some people come going, I have, I have stories to tell, but they're unfocused or you, they think they want to tell this one, but they're doing it from an ego play and it maybe isn't serving the actual audience that they need to serve. So we do this exercise where we break down your five key stories, the five key moments in your life. And then we do an exercise where we bridge those together. What do they have in common? Who were you before that event? Who were you after event? What did you learn? What did you need to learn? Who did you become? And we really start to develop the the story of your life. And the story of your life becomes that keynote presentation. Because at that point, you're not trying to sell anything. You're trying to uh, show people a path, show people an idea. So what you're selling is yourself and nothing sells you better than your personal journey and your story. So we really break down that, that story method for people and show them, uh, how to tell it effectively. Cause where most, the, the difference between an amateur and a professional speaker is an amateur is going to come in and try to be the hero themselves. And the professional comes in as the sage or mentor if you are using the Joseph Campbell hero's journey model. And so where an amateur will come in and try to be Obi or try to be Luke Skywalker, a professional comes in and is Obi-Wan Kenobi and shows Luke how to use his lightsaber. Okay, two questions popped into my head. I have a story I want to tell, or I want to become a motivational speaker or or whatever that whatever I come to you for. I would think, and I'm thinking the audience might think the number one fear of getting up in front of a crowd, an audience would be the nervousness. Like I'm like, which, which I have felt at times, how, what's your approach to teaching them how to overcome the nervousness? the anxiety the first yeah the first thing that we do is uh show people how to diagnose that correctly so so many people will come to our seminars or more specifically a lot of people will avoid coming to our seminars because they claim that they're afraid of public speaking and the reality is most people in this world it's a very 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 fractional small percentage of humans on this planet that are actually afraid of public speaking uh, if we as humans were afraid of public speaking or if the of North Americans that are surveyed who claim to have this anxiety around public speaking really truly were afraid of it. Commerce as we know it would collapse. You would never have any transactional business ever conducted because most of that is done in public. You don't have a store in your house or you wouldn't have to go out. 
Right. So if you're going to a grocery store, if you're going to a bank, anybody who's ever dined in a restaurant has spoken in public. And if you didn't know your wait staff, you spoke to a stranger. So this notion that we are afraid to speak in public or that we're afraid to speak to strangers or that we're afraid to ask what we want uh, is null and void. If you've ever been to a restaurant and had food delivered to your table because you spoke in public, you spoke to a stranger, you asked for what you wanted and you got it. And if you didn't like it, you, know, you had the opportunity to complain and get it, get it fixed. So all of these uh, kind of go in the face of what is commonly preached, you know, and, and it's, a, it's a misleading statistic, this notion that 70 plus percent of North Americans, and, and it goes universally throughout the world, uh, are afraid of, of public speaking. It's just not true. What we're actually afraid of is public judgment. We're afraid that when the eyeballs are on us, right, that uh, we will be negatively perceived, or the things that we say right. will be misconstrued or misunderstood, or worse, that nobody will be interested, or we just have nothing to say. I I, I was just going to say, once you get up, let's say there's a podium or or your stage, and then you look out and you see anywhere from two hundred to a thousand people, let's say it's an auditorium or something. I think that's when. Well, I guess I should speak for myself. The first time I started doing this, that's when I looked out and I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I, all, like you just said, all eyes are on me. It's different when you're sitting at a diner and you're ordering a hamburger. Yes, you're talking to that one person and you're hungry. and you. But when you look out to a crowd and all eyes are on you and there's that silence and they're waiting for you to start, I I think that's where I'm trying to, most people might think they can handle that, but once they get up on the stage, all bets are off. Well, and you, you've proven my point. So when when that is the concern, that the eyes are on you, that is proof that it's not the speaking in public that's the fear. It's the public judgment. The public. So the way to combat that is to recognize, first of all, that the audience is on your side. They have, if they've done any prejudgment of you, it is in your favor because people don't come to anything if they don't want to. No, they come to hear you. We, yeah, we are people of free will and free choice. And even in the most negative connotation, let's assume that you have heard all of your friends have said, don't go see this movie. You know, right. like we've all had that movie. You saw the trailer and you're like, that seems interesting. And then the press comes out on it and it's bad. And you're like, ah, but critics don't know anything. Critics are are grumpy people who are paid to watch movies and they don't like my type, type of movie. And I've never agreed with a critic anyway. So it can't be that bad. But then your friends start going to see it and they're like, oh, Andrew, do not go see that movie. It's awful. And yet still you go to the cinema, you buy your ticket, you get your popcorn, you sit in that seat, the theater starts to darken and you're like, it can't be that bad, can it? You are already wanting that film to succeed despite all the negative right. press. Interesting. Now, okay. if you are a speaker on stage, prob the probability is nobody has ever heard you yet. They have no idea what you're going to say, and they don't know what it what it's what it's about. All they know is that this is a topic that they're interested in. They paid you something led them there. You, you had a good trailer, right? They still haven't seen the movie. They haven't heard 
that thing. And if they have heard you and they're back again, they liked what they heard. So either way, the audience is on your side. They are there. They're expecting it to, to succeed. And I can prove this right now because if there are people who are listening to Anonymous Andrew right now, you, whoever has downloaded this, I'm speaking to you directly, the listener of this podcast. When you started this episode, did you think to yourself, man, I hope Andrew sucks today. And I hope this <laughs> guest, Tyler, has absolutely nothing positive to contribute to society. And all of, I hope he has no. nothing to say and forgets everything he's going to talk about. Right. No. Nobody hit play thinking that we our audience is there. They're on our side. If they didn't want to be there, if they weren't on our side, they just wouldn't show up. Right. So the audience is on your side. And if you have the platform, you are the expert for that moment. We don't invite second best to the stage. That's not how society works. No. We get the best person available. And if that person cancels, we get the next best person available. That's just how it goes. So if you have that opportunity to be on a stage, you are the expert. You are the authority and the audience is there to be either entertained, informed, or both. And they're on your side. So if you can go in with that mindset, it's very easy to start to overcome it because they want you to be there. They're happy to have you. Good and point. any of the negative talk is strictly on on you. And that's the other point too. You need to recognize that when you are feeling anxiety around speaking, that is very ego-driven and that's very uh, self-centered and centric to, to you. The best way to overcome that is to step outside of yourself and focus on your audience. And so that's what a lot of our training does in our in the seminars is show people how to connect with and engage with your audience. Because if you're focused on your audience and how they are and how they are feeling and what they are doing, it's really hard to focus on you and how you are and what you are feeling and what you are doing. And the best speakers are the ones who can completely and totally divest themselves of their ego, step outside of themselves and step into their audience and serve their audience. And we've all seen those really good, really powerful speakers who do that flawlessly. Right. Those are the <clears throat> ones who engage us the most because they're they're not talking about them. Even when they're telling you a story about what they have done, they are doing it, as I said, from a sage and mentor perspective. I can show you how to overcome this. I can show you where your worth lies. I can show you how I walk this path so that you can do it as well and go on your way and and combat your demons. And that's that difference the, the uh, between an amateur and a professional speaker. The amateur will focus on me, 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 what I did, what I did, what I did. And a real good professional, really truly engaging speaker says, this is what I've done and I want you to learn to do it too. Interesting. Very interesting concept because I, if I got up in front of an audience, which I've done uh, more than a hundred times, I, I never, no, any of that, what you just said, never crossed my mind. I just get up and do it, but I can imagine uh, somebody doing it for the first time or wanting to do that. I, I have a question for you and this might come a little bit out of left field, but, you're the perfect person to ask. 
over the past 10, 15 years or more, we have seen the what they call TED Talks. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether that is what used to be Steve Jobs or I, I forget who runs Apple now, Tim Cook, is it Tim Cook? Um, yeah, I think that's who it is. They get up or 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 um, Tony Robbins. Yeah, you know, I'm just naming names mm -hmm. who get up in front of people and talk. What does TED stand for? T-E-D? Uh uh, technology education and something i can't remember what the d is oh okay good i hear the the ted all the time i hear ted talk and, I'm, and then yeah. it just hit me I'm like what does this stand for i have no well originally idea. originally ted was um ideas worth sharing was the tagline for it and it was a very select few group of thought leaders and um experts in their field coming together to share new critical ideas in a in a, a single stage right it was a, an annual event and you would come and do it and now that it's licensed so i think people forget that tedx is not ted it is a, a licensed use of the intellectual property run by individually owned clubs who use the structure of ted to do these seminar style like, continual keynote presentations and they're they're not ted talks they're tedx talks oh. um and uh so that it's no longer within the the edict of of the the constraints and confines of what that original ted concept was uh, the, all these these regional TEDx talks are are whatever theme they happen to throw up, um, and and are, you know, their selection is based on who submits and who gets past the panel. It's it's a real, it's not what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. It has it has morphed into it's it's even I guess over. Not, not, what's the word? Um, it has flown into social media because now mm -hmm. now the term is influencer where they get on social media and they and they spew out their thoughts and and obviously there's no audience in front of you but it's you know if you have 5000 10000 or a million followers some they're they're listening to you so but i i don't know if they do tedx talks on social media i don't i don't yeah. listen to them so Oh, and I was I was wrong. It's not education; it's entertainment. So it's technology, entertainment, and I'm pretty sure the D is design. Okay. So it's it's technology, entertainment, and design. And and that has been replaced with TEDx. It's now TEDx. Yeah. So TED is still TED, and I think it was headquartered in New York, and I think that's where like like and I I'm, I'm pretty sure they still do the annual TED right. conference. And like, so Tony Robbins did his TED talk. And I think his is like the second or third most viewed uh, talk. Uh, Simon Sinek has a very popular one. I'm trying to think of who else is. is uh, I, I think Brene Brown did a really, 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 really popular one too. Um, there's a couple of, you know, they're, uh, that are the top five most viewed. Um, 
that are like at proper TED stages, but most of what you hear now is TEDx and it's that it's the spinoff. And they can, and they can't use the word, the, the acronym TED because it's owned by. Yeah. TED yeah. is TED. TED is and TED. so okay. that's why it's TEDx. So it's still licensed. It's licensed through TED conferences. I think it's the TED conferences, LLC. Um, and uh, they're, you know, they're the nonprofit that does the international talks um again ideas worth sharing uh but the the ted stage itself is is the single one that started um i, I can't even remember way way back when yeah um i i think it was originally i think it go dates back to like the 80s like i think like 1984 was its original one with like yeah. the sapling foundation but i could be wrong don't quote me on the dates but know that I know, know yeah, that okay. the, enough of it to know that the way that the original origin started, but it was, it was, again, it was a, an idea. It was a conference to, to share new thought ideas. You had right. the thought leaders come and share on technology, entertainment, and design. Hmm. And then now the Ted X is licensed through Ted conferences, LLC. Uh, you can't just stick Ted on it, but it is not the Ted talk. It's the Ted X talk and owned by individual, um, local groups great um okay um uh, tyler anything else that you can offer uh what do you is it mostly you help people that get up in front of audiences or do you help people like podcasters or radio hosts or or other actors is it yeah so all all of the above so anybody with a message who wants to share uh we have training programs for them so uh, right now i'm running a uh a challenge for um specifically for authors of um non-fiction business books uh typically entrepreneurs who have written their own book for uh, highlighting their expertise who are looking for ways of monetizing that book because as most self-published authors know, uh, you go, you write the book, you put it out there, you get it up on Kindle, uh, Amazon starts selling it, your mom buys a copy, your sister buys a copy, uh, a couple of your friends buy a copy, you sell five of the things and that's it. And and, and for those entrepreneurs or or self-published authors who feel that there's something more, that that, that they just you know, if only their message could get out there to a wider scale. Um, we've got a challenge right now to get on a hundred podcasts in a hundred days. And I walk them exactly step-by-step step how I did it. Um, Cause I've been, this recording that you and I are doing right now is my 396th podcast that I have done in uh, 18 months. So I'm just coming up to my 400th. And today um, I recorded two already. And uh, I got my 199th and 200th five-star review from podcast hosts on Podmatch, where you and I found right. each other. And so I show people how uh, on their own, without having to hire a PR agent, um, they can find these, these podcasts. And it's funny because I actually um, was tagged in, somebody was asking how, if they, if anybody in their Facebook land knew how to get on podcasts without hiring a, uh, an agent and somebody had tagged me in it and they're like Tyler's doing this thing and 
but above where I, um, I had been tagged. So a couple of posts above that in the comments was somebody who's like, yeah, I'm running a program. And I, and I was on 52 podcasts last year and I'm like 52 in a year. Why were you only doing one a week? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I show people how it literally in a hundred days, you can get on a hundred podcasts and, and massively amplify your growth. It just, uh, uh through just the pod match platform, um, I have reached, uh, let's find the exact statistic for you. I have reached, uh, 374,700 listens and 3,401,615 social impressions just through the pod match platform doing 278, uh, episodes from them since April of, of last year. So you know, it's entirely possible to be able to get on a hundred podcasts oh. in a hundred days. And if you can reach three and a half million people and have, uh, over a quarter of a million, uh, between a quarter million and a half a million listens to your message, I assure you, you can make amazing impact and change in the world. And if I can do it, anybody can do it because I'm, I am busy with, I run three companies. I am an actor still. I've got an eight-year-old daughter who's in the arts. So we're running around doing activities with her. I am doing this in my spare time to promote my book. My uh, search engine optimization is through the roof because I'm backlinked on almost 400 podcasts. And you got to remember, podcasts are host on the major platforms. Yeah. So I'm being backlinked from Apple, Spotify, Google. Like the, These are massive tech companies and I'm getting all of that traffic coming from their platforms through multiple multiple sources. So my search engine optimization is through the roof and I didn't do anything for it. Nothing. Right. All I did was take a half an hour to an hour of my time, a couple of times a week, have wonderful conversations with hosts like yourself, Andrew, and get out there. So I'm showing people how to use podcasts and then from that pivot from the podcast to find their own stages so that they can start getting their message out and control that messaging, control the money that goes behind it as well. Mm. Um, and then from that, do that leap. If they're really passionate about it, if they're really enjoying it, I can show you and put you in connection with the people who do the bookings for the big stages. So yeah. if you want to be speaking to the 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 people, I can show you the path to do that uh, because I've done it myself. Yeah. And and as as myself, when I started off six months ago, I started saying, how am I going to find guests? And within a couple of weeks, it's so easy uh, between Facebook and uh, and and uh, Alex from Podmatch reached out to me. But um, you got podcastguest.com. And I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, have at least a half a dozen websites that I'm aware of. Oh, yeah. Can... Matchmaker FM. There's there's yep. there's dozens of these different services i just happen to like podmatch the most because it is the most actively used platform with the most engaged community and with an owner who genuinely cares about does. the success of everybody yeah. using it yeah and i think that is unlike any of these other services so um although i am using alternative services the only ones that i name drop are podmatch because yeah. What Alex and Alicia and Jesse have put together over there. The fact that I know the owner's name. Yeah. Have been in contact with him personally multiple times and uh and know who the tech guy 
is, yeah. you know, it speaks volumes. I don't know who's behind any of these other platforms, but I know Alex and I know how much he puts yeah. forward with Podmatch. And I think that's, you know, back to messaging and, and finding what you, what you love. This was a labor of love for him and you can, you can see it. And when I, you I, find your niche, you're, you're golden. I, I was contacted by Alex. I don't know, two months ago. Um, and, and as many emails that you get, I just looked at it as another spam or another somebody trying to sell me something. And I was extremely doubtful at the beginning. And Alex kept at me and I kept asking him questions after questions. Finally, he got me to join. And I sent him the, the nicest, longest email after two weeks because I had 30 guests booked within two weeks. And it was just amazing. Yeah. And, and anyway, yeah, Al Alex is great. And, and, and uh, better quality guests too. Like that's yeah. the thing. Some of these other services, like I, I, you know, I find great hosts on Podmatch. Yeah. And I find, you know, I, I have very few, I mean, we're, I'm over, I'm coming up 300 podcasts with, with this platform. And I've maybe had two or three bad experiences with it on the other platforms. Every other one, if not all of them are, are really bad experiences for me. And I am a professional. Like I do this professionally. Yeah. You know, this is, this is my job. Yeah. Uh, this is one aspect of my job, but this is my job. Yeah. And, and so, you know, to be able to find really good hosts like yourself to be, to be on the show uh, versus like just mm, some of the dregs that are on some of these other platforms no pod match pod match is my go-to and and like i said we show people how to use pod match we show people how to use your local chamber of commerce we show people all the opportunities that they have to get their message out there and really start to become a speaker and it's and important what, pod match, what pod match has also is several other spinoffs he's got pod pros community he's got yeah. uh something i just found out today called pods lottery um yeah. yeah so he's really you're right he's he's he him and alicia put everything into it and i i that's why i found you so yeah well and pod talks too like he for people who want to get into podcasting yeah. he's got pod talks and you can do the guest or the or the host stream of of the talks or hop back and forth between the two and he does that quarterly i was so humbled and and gracious that he asked me to be on the first pod talks ever i the first conference that he did i was one of the keynote uh presenters on the on the guest side so you know i'm i i will forever sing alex's praises i think he's yeah. just a, a, an me amazing too. human being me too i wish he i wish he would do some of them on the weekends or nights because i worked during the day but i think yeah um uh, but you can watch them after they're recorded right because, that's correct yeah yeah, yeah. i i have to i gotta do that so Okay, Tyler. Um, anything else you'd like to leave us with before we part? No, Any just a, a a a very heartfelt thank you to you, Andrew, for inviting me on and and sharing your audience with me, and and my I pleasure. really appreciate it. And if anybody wants to learn more about me, they can hop over to my website, which is seantylerfoley.com, and if they hop over there, I'll give them a couple of freebies. They can get a free PDF download of my book, and they can get uh, free access to my drop the mic speaker training series, which is um, seven videos, five minutes long each. And so over the course of a week and over your coffee break, you can learn to be a better, more confident speaker. And so we'll make sure to give, uh, give those to all of your listeners. If they stop by the website and say that Andrew sent you. Yeah. And I will be stopping by there myself. 
please send me an email with all that information so I can put it in the show notes. And um, Tyler Foley, everybody, the author of The Power to Speak Naked, available. And uh, I am going to mention this because you had mentioned it before. The best place to buy this book would be on bookshop.org. Bookshop.org is a phenomenal, phenomenal service. So what it is, is it's an online book retailer, very similar to what Jeff Bezos had originally put up together. The difference is, is bookshop.org will actually sell you the book for uh, a discounted rate. So my book it retails for $17.95. And I think on bookshop.org, it goes for about $16.50. And then on top of that, a uh, percentage of all of their sales uh, across the whole platform goes to local book retailers. So it's a pooled fund that local book retailers can apply to uh, for financial aid if they're struggling to keep local bookshops alive in your local yeah. community. And to to this date, they've raised over $25 million, which wow. I think is just awesome. And when you do buy through bookshop.org, they actually pair your sale to your local book retailer. So it's uh, environmentally friendly because you're not shipping it across the country. You're shipping it from your local book retailer. Uh, your bo local book retailer is going to get credit for the sale. So they've got that little bit of extra revenue and uh, and you get to help support uh, local within your community. So for oh, a thousand great. reasons, I think uh, bookshop.org is the best place to go and buy books. You can get my book on Jeff's site, but he's flying <laughs> to space in phallic shaped rockets. And I don't think you need to give him more money. But if you want to, you can, you know, it, and my book can come to you by drone or you can go to bookshop.org and get it delivered by your local mailman. You're also a comedian. You're very funny. So thank you. That was funny. Okay. Tyler, Tyler, thank you for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Oh. <laughs> I'm still laughing. Very funny. You know, folks, I, six months ago, nine months ago, I was not laughing. I wasn't laughing in my social circle, in my life, anywhere. And if you just listen to the, to the progression of this podcast from, from episodes one, two, three, four, all the way up to, what are we on, 55, I think now? At least I can laugh. I'm not anywhere near where I want to be. I'm not where I should be. I'm still struggling. But I'm at least I get up and I have a productive day and and I'm laughing. I don't know what that phrase is that laughter is the best medicine something along those lines okay um here comes my begging and pleading while i do have some uh reviews that are i think i have up to by the time you hear this maybe i don't know 10 12 reviews i still need reviews and followers and subscribers so I beg of you, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave me a review. Please follow me and spread the word. And if you want to reach out to me, you know how to do so in the notes. 
And if you're going to make a choice, people, if you need to make a choice, I urge you to choose wisely. Until next time. Ciao.